tonight. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about humility. And the, the interesting thing about humility is that we can't self-identify. Because once you do, it's gone. You know, I'm very humble, you know. Well, <laughs> well you just lost it. Um, so let's stand, and we'll read this first passage. First, the definition of humility, uh, the word in Greek is tepainao. It means to confess and deplore one's spiritual littleness and unworthiness. So uh, let me read this first passage coming from John 1, verses 14 through 18. And the word Christ became flesh and lived among us. And we actually saw his glory, glory as belongs to the one and only begotten Son of the Father, the Son who is truly unique, the only one of his kind, who is full of grace and truth, absolutely free of deception. John testified repeatedly about him and has cried out, testifying officially for the record with validity and relevance. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has a higher rank than I and has priority over me for he existed before me. For out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. For the law was given through Moses, but grace, the unearned, undeserved favor of God and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God, his essence, his divine nature at any time. The one and only begotten God, that is, the unique son who is in the intimate presence of the father. He has explained him and interpreted and revealed the awesome wonder of the father. And Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, the truth of who you are. And um, Lord, your word gives us so much to say about humility and, and how Jesus exemplified that for us. Uh, Father, we want to be doers of your word and not hearers only. We praise you and thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You all may be seated. Um, obviously, we just came through Easter a few weeks ago, and you know, certainly the, the, the men know that I've, I've really been focusing a lot on, you know, how Jesus handled that whole situation, you know, on his way to the cross and, and specifically how he dealt with Judas. Um, you know, he knew that Judas was going to betray him and he washed Judas's feet. And, and I, I imagine that he did that in a tender way. Also, as Judas was betraying him, he called him friend. And that's certainly an example of humility, uh, a, a high standard for all of us. We often, we also look at how Jesus dealt with various people. One of my favorite accounts uh, in scripture is that of the woman taken, the act, taken in the act of adultery. And the scribes and Pharisees 
obviously they were willing to kill her to get to Jesus. And Jesus humbly dealt with that lady, and he also dealt with those scribes and Pharisees. Um, again, what an example for us. Um, so we see in this uh, John 1 passage, Jesus is full of grace and truth, absolutely free of deception. I don't think any one of us can say that, you know. Um, sometimes we can have ulterior motives. Uh, sometimes our feelings get hurt, and we can respond out of that. But, um, but Jesus was and is absolutely free of deception. We are all recipients also of his grace, his continuing grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. Um, I'm, I am learning that as we continue to draw closer to the Lord, as we enter into intimacy with him, then we see ourselves a lot more clearly. We see how depraved we are, you know, in our in our natural state. Um, you know, we were talking in last night's uh, men's session about, you know, we can face things, we can encounter situations, and you know, sometimes we can get really upset. And, and we can react out of that anger. And when we do that, we're, we're reacting out of completely selfish motives. We're not concerned about the other person. It's, you know, either I, I feel like I've been slighted, I've been hurt, I've been disrespected, so I'm going to pay you back. You know, I'm going to let you know who you're dealing with. Jesus didn't, uh, didn't operate in this way. Let's go to our second passage, Micah 6, 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord to honor him and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Will the Lord be delighted with thousands of rams or with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my acts of rebellion, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, except to be just and to love and to diligently practice kindness, compassion, and to walk humbly with your God setting aside any overblown sense of importance or self-righteousness. That's, you know, as I said, this is what God requires of us. To do just and to love and to diligently practice kindness. Um, I know that there are times when I cannot be kind, when I am not kind. And I think I can say with confidence that that applies to you guys, too. <laughs> am I right? Yeah. There are some, again, if our feelings are hurt, um, 
sometimes we can, I don't want to say we want to stick it to people, but we can be a little, you know, we can be a little edgy, you know, and we can feel justified in that. I, I deserve this. I, you know what? They hurt me. Jesus didn't operate that way. Again, dealing with Judas, I, I have this scene where, you know, he's washing all the disciples' feet. He gets to Judas, and Judas knows that Jesus knows what he's going to do. And yet Jesus tenderly washes his feet, and I can see him looking into the eyes of Judas. For that matter, um, Peter, when um, Jesus told Peter that he was going to betray him, and that passage where Peter denies him that, I'm sorry, deny him uh, that third time, and Jesus looks at him. And those were, that was a look of compassion and not an you know, accusatory look. But just that, that love, that humility, that patience that Jesus exemplifies to us as well. So the Lord requires us to be just, to love, and to diligently practice kindness, compassion, and to walk humbly with him, setting aside any overblown sense of importance or self-righteousness. I know that there have been many times in my life where I thought I was pretty important. Like, you know, you guys need to realize and recognize how important I am. That's not, that's not humility. Um, when I compare myself, see, and this is how we can do it. When I compare myself to other people, maybe who aren't as whatever as I am, then I can, I can feel pretty good. But when I compare myself to the Lord, there's no comparison. And, and that's actually, that's a liberating feeling when I say, you know what? I don't have to try to prove myself. I can submit to the Lordship of Christ. Okay, Proverbs 11.2. When pride comes, boiling up with an arrogant attitude of self-importance, then come dishonor and shame. But with the humble, the teachable who have been chiseled by trial and who have learned to walk humbly with God, there is wisdom and soundness of mind. I like how that's presented. Excuse me, those who have been chiseled by trial. Can I see a show of hands? Who has been chiseled by trial? <laughs> chiseled by trial. I'm in Amplified. I thought you were doing a delayed raise of your hand about the chiseled by trial. <laughs> um, I don't think any one of us enjoys trials. 
I don't think anyone else looks forward to trials. But I think we can all attest to the fact that we learn so much and we are molded through the trials that we experience. And without those trials, we're pretty shallow. We can be pretty superficial. But, um, and as we all know, as I'd like to say, if you're over 18, 21, You've experienced some trials. Um, one of the things that's developed in trials, I'd probably say this every time I stand here, is patience. Um, patience is a tough one as well. Um, learning to trust God realizing that you know when we're young and, and we've talked about this in our men's sessions when we're young you know, we feel like we have control of a lot of things and we can you know we can make things happen but hopefully as we grow older we realize not only do we not have control over a lot of things but we shouldn't have control over a lot of things. Because when, when I'm running things, when I, I've found in my life, when, I, when I'm putting pieces together and making things happen, it doesn't go so well. It doesn't go so well. Um, but when I rest and wait and learn, um, it, again, it's the chiseling. It's Okay, there's another area that, <laughs> that needs to be knocked off, that needs to be molded and shaped. Uh, again, but with the humble, the teachable, who have been chiseled by trial. When I was, wow, let's see. Probably, certainly through my 20s, into my, let me, here's a little confession. When I was about, let's see, it's probably like 35. I had been married probably, four or five years. I decided I would write a book on relationships. So I'm taking my notes and I have all these wonderful quotes and oh yeah, I'm gonna teach everybody something, you know. So I, I think it was a couple of years later, I started reading through my notes and it occurred to me, you know nothing. <laughs> you know nothing. <laughs> you haven't lived long enough. You know, I think I'm gonna dig up those notes when I get home. I, I think they're somewhere in, I'm gonna read them and laugh at them, laugh at my thoughts as a 35 year old about relationships and all of my advice that I was gonna give people. Um, and I think that's how it goes with us at times. We, you know, early on, it's like, oh yeah, I have the answer to this. I know how that goes. 
It's easy. And as we live, we realize it's not so easy. And there's more learning that we have to do. Okay, next passage. So, so humility. So we go to Luke 18, and we see, uh, we see a passage where we see a contrast of the proud Pharisee and the humble tax collector. So Luke 18, 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves and were confident that they were righteous, posing outwardly as upright and in right standing with God, and who, who viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple enclosure to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood ostentatiously and began praying to himself in a self-righteous way, saying, God, I thank you that I am not like the rest of men, swindlers, unjust, dishonest, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing at a distance, would not even raise his eyes toward heaven, but was striking his chest in humility and repentance, saying, God, be merciful and gracious to me, the especially wicked sinner that I am. I tell you, this man went to his home justified, forgiven of the guilt of sin and placed in right standing with God, rather than the other man. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself, forsaking self-righteous pride, will be exalted. Quite a clear contrast that we see here in this passage. Um, and I think we all know it, it's easy to, to drift into self-righteous pride. It's, you know, we, when we start comparing ourselves to others, instead of comparing ourselves to Jesus, you know, it's like, ah, I, I would never do that. Or, you know, I do this better than you. And, and obviously, we... When it happens, we're not as bold as this Pharisee. Um, it, it's a lot more subtle. You know, our thoughts can drift into, you know, I, I would never do what he did, he or she did. Um, I don't live that kind of lifestyle. And that, you know, that, that whole idea of, you know, I'm, I'm handling this. Um, obviously, we want to be obedient to the Lord, but that it's that balance of realizing that he has blessed us to be able to live the life that we're living, uh, to walk in obedience if we're doing that. And we have to keep in mind that um, our hearts are deceitful. You know, Pastor Randy shares this a lot. Our hearts are deceitful. Our hearts will tell us that we are the greatest. And but just that balance of knowing that without God's grace, you know, we're in pretty bad shape. Okay, let's go on to Philippians 9. Sorry, Philippians 2. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit through factional motives 
or strife, but with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant nor self-righteous, regard others as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Let me pause there for a second. Uh, you all know I like to do the audience participation portion whenever I have an opportunity to share. Um, with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant nor self-righteous, regard others as more important than yourselves. Okay, practically, how do we do that? How do I regard others as more important than myself? Feel free to shout out some answers. How, practically, how do I do that? Okay, serving, and serving with the right motive. You know, tell me a little bit more about that, Anthony. Okay. All right. I know you all in Facebook can't hear this, but Anthony said that um, doing things not expecting something in return, not expecting to be noticed, recognized, uh, but from a humble heart. Okay, what are some other ways we can do that? Yes. Ah, yes, trying to understand others. That's good, that's good. Um, tell me more, how, how do we do that? Okay, yes, listening to others' point of view. That is something, you know, that we see in Scripture that Jesus did frequently as he interacted with people. He listened to them. He allowed, you know, he would ask, he would ask questions he knew the answers to just to have these people express themselves. And that's something that, I'm, I'm learning to do. Uh, I think, you know, and, and we covered this last night, Dan, listening is crucial in our relationships. It's crucial. It's essential. How about that? It's essential. If I'm always talking and giving advice, and I'm never taking stuff in, there could be an issue of self-righteousness because my thought is, I have all the answers. I don't need to listen to you <laughs> because I have the answers. Um, I know that many times conflicts can be resolved just by listening. When I gain, when I learn someone's perspective, now, obviously not every conflict, but when I understand where someone is coming from, then it's like, oh, oh, okay, okay. I, I get it now. Um, that's a good one. 
Okay, any other ways that we can regard others as more important than ourselves? I love looking at the faces like, hmm, let's see. So serving, listening, does that, is that all, in, are those two all encompassing? I'm just curious, are they? How about something you shared, Dan, apologizing to people? Honestly apologizing. When, when I've done wrong, you know, guys have heard me say this a lot. One of the things I don't like hearing is if I've done anything to offend you, please forgive me. Because pretty much I know what I've done and I should come to you directly and say, this is what I did. I'm sorry, please forgive me. So an honest apology can go a long way to, to and that, that validates uh, that person's feelings and speaks to a contrite heart, you know, on my account. Okay, anything else before I move on? Yes. Okay, putting others' needs before my own. Right, right, true. Um, and that could be something as simple as what would you like for dinner? Um, how can I serve you? How can I, you know, how can I help you in this situation? I think that goes a long way. That, that validates other people's feelings. Uh, it speaks to me being concerned about them. So I think we have a pretty good list. Anybody take notes on this? No, it, I know it's on Facebook. <laughs> All right, so let me continue. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit through factional motives or strife, but with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant nor self-righteous, regard others as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have the same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humility, who, although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God, as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the, excuse me, all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it, but emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bondservant. In being made in the likeness of men, he became completely human, but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. You know, something just came to mind as I was reading this. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 17. 
obviously not in my notes, but it just popped in my head. And this is another way we can um, consider others as more important than ourselves. Proverbs 17. Okay, starting at verse 27. He who has knowledge restrains and is careful with his words. Now that, that also ties in to listening. When I'm not talking all the time and I'm listening, I'm restraining my words. And a man of understanding and wisdom has a cool spirit, self-control, an even temper. Even a callous, arrogant fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is regarded as sensible, prudent, discreet, and a man of understanding. Um, I'm sure the answer to this is yes, but do any of you know someone who always has to have the last word? Why are you laughing, Esther? <laughs> someone who always has to have the last word he who has knowledge restrains and is careful with his words um, that would that would eliminate Sarcasm is now, I mean, there's fun sarcasm, but the biting, you know, really. And we all know that you can't unsay things. Once it's out there, it's out there. You can apologize. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. Yes, you did. What'd you say, Dan? <laughs> Something like um, sometimes we oh, let things slip out, but no, <laughs> I pushed it out. <laughs> it didn't slip out. I pushed it out. Um, and I think this is, uh, you know, this is um, something that all of us can work on. You know, again, thinking of Jesus um, on his way to the cross and when he was being interrogated and, and he was being beaten and, you know, blindfolded and punched and saying, tell us who hit you. I mean, talk about humility. The, the creator of the universe is being abused and he had all the power to put an immediate end to all of that. And he humbly and patiently allowed it to happen that 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 removes all my excuses you know I, I can't say but but he did that she did that I can't say any of that okay doing my time check here back to All right, um, let's see. 
verse 7 in Philippians 2, but emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bondservant. In being made in the likeness of men, he became completely human, but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. And he was found in terms of his outward appearance as a man for a divinely appointed time. He humbled himself still further by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, because he obeyed and so completely humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Um, I'm sure we can all agree with the fact that when we are obedient to God's instruction, um, one, it feels pretty good, you know, to know that we've been obedient. And it brings a sense of peace. And we've, we've learned something, and we've likely been chiseled in the process. Um, I was sharing this with the guys last night. Um, there have been times, well, it actually still happens now, where I'll get really, really upset about something. And what I am learning to do is to be quiet, to go and sit down somewhere <laughs> and, and think about my feelings. And then after a while, after I settle down, my thought is, okay, why did you get so upset about that? What, what made you so mad? And then... Often, after the fact, like, wow, you really went overboard with that one. And that's an opportunity for me to, again, to, you know, to go back into God's word and say, okay, Lord, how did you deal with situations where you could have been just really upset where Jesus would respond humbly in those situations. And, and again, as I said earlier, a lot of times I, I would get upset or I get upset because I feel like I've been offended or disrespected or someone did not honor me as I thought I should have been honored. And then it gets a little embarrassing. Uh, which then ties into the, you know, being silent. Um, Self-discipline. Let me let me just sit here quietly. Um, let me think about my th that whole metacognition thing. Let me think about my thinking. What what brought me to this point? Sometimes there are issues from our past, from our childhood, that unresolved issues that will prompt us to respond in a certain way. And those are some things that I've been discovering over the last few years. Is oh. I'm not necessarily responding to this event. I'm responding to a, an event from 40 years ago that was unresolved. 
So let me, let me put everything in perspective. Okay, it's almost 8 o'clock. Our final passage, Matthew 23, 11 and 12. But the greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be raised to honor. You know, and this is just a small sample of the passages in Scripture dealing with humility. We have the perfect example of our Savior, you know, with him walking in humility on his way to the cross, um, you know, as he patiently dealt with people, all with the, the end goal of glorifying his Father in mind. So just something for us to think about. So we have someone pass out the elements, and we'll go right into um, communion. Um,